So do you remember this fad from the 90s? Some of you weren't around, um, but yeah, no. Um, The magic eye picture books, stereograms. Um, So what would happen is you would focus on this 2D pattern, like the roses on the left, and then out would pop in 3D some shape, the heart in this case. And so, you know, you had to kind of squint your eyes in a certain way and kind of cross-eyed, and, you know, your friends were like, look at it, it's a heart. You're like, no, it's roses. I see them right there. There's no heart in here. Are you lying? I mean, there was the whole thing. Um, But then suddenly, if you got your eyes in the right way, all of a sudden you could see what you couldn't see before. And it was there the whole time, but you just couldn't see it. You didn't have the right perspective as you were looking at it. And I think our lives can be like the magic eye pictures, that we look and we see the roses over here, and God's love is embedded in there. We just don't have the right perspective. And, um, you know, we, if we see clearly, we can see something wonderful. So last time we talked about the typical day Martha and Mary and Jesus had together. And, you know, today, right now in this lesson, this afternoon, we're going to look at the tragic day. The tragic day. And yet, my personal favorite scriptures are in this section, in this day. Perspective in his presence is the name of this lesson. Perspective in his presence. Do we have the right perspective? Turn over to John chapter 11. John 11, and we're going to read a long passage because we have to read the whole thing. It's just too good. So you, you need to hang with me. You might get sleepy. That's okay. It, just good scriptures right here. John 11, verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they will see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. 
but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Wow. Do you see why I love the scriptures in this? I mean, it is just plays out like a movie. It's amazing. From death to life, Jesus was out to radically change their perspective. Radically, from death to life. Two dimensions of perspective. 
The first dimension we're going to talk about, the problems. The problems. We've got to get a perspective on our problems. What is your perspective on the problems in your life? Do you believe that problems can shape your faith, they can draw you closer to God, and they reveal God's glory? Now, tragedy is a shock. The loss of a loved one as they face, it was a shock. A painful divorce, it's a shock. The betrayal of a friend, an unexpected breakup. Tragedy that's more manageable we call hardships. Mm -hmm. Trials, right? Trials of many kinds. Like a health concern, a family issue, economic uncertainty, unfulfilled dreams, the loss of a job marriage problems, we kind of don't call that tragedy. It kind of doesn't hit that level. But even daily life sometimes can be trials of many kinds. Are you with me? And in your life, it's not if tragedy is going to come, right? It's coming for you. It's not if the trials are coming. If you live long enough on planet Earth, they are coming from you. We know all that, right? I want to share a little bit personally, and, um, you know, I I really believe in sharing from my life where I'm living right now. It helps me spiritually to do that, and um, I believe that, I hope, it's my prayer that what I share can help you. In May, I was here at your Look Up conference, and I told you um, before that it was a very life-changing time for me. I was really honored to share some of my current tragedies and trials in that time with the whole church and the whole conference. And I referred to it as my season of dust. And that's um, a concept, a term that I got from Elisa Turkis from a book that she wrote. It's not supposed to be this way. Um, And I know that some of you have already heard what I'm about to share, but there's some people in the room that don't know what I'm talking about, and I want to give an update. And so first I have to kind of rewind the tape a little bit. Are you with me? So the last actually three or four years of my life, in the life of my family, it's been a time of brokenheartedness. It's been a time for years now of loss on top of loss, and then you kind of can't recover from the next thing before another wave hits. And Jesus promised that we would have trouble. Uh huh. So Jesus promises that. That's not a super big surprise. I don't have time to tell you everything, but a snapshot would include major health challenges, major relational struggles big time job loss unemployment both my husband and i at the same time for four months which leads to financial challenges and then here's the hardest one for me is i had to leave my children Uh and i've already told you that i have a pretty mama heart (laughs) and if you're a mom you have one too I had to leave my children in Denver when I moved to Des Moines because they are adults and they don't come with me anymore when we move. And I had successfully convinced them slash brainwashed them that they need to live in the state their mother lives in. And after successfully doing that, I moved away. And that broke my heart to leave my kids. Then at Thanksgiving, we had this huge dose of happy 
over-the-moon delight as Tyler Snyder, as I just showed you in the last lesson, my new son in love, got engaged. He asked our youngest daughter, Marin, to be his wife. It was much needed dose of happy in our family. We were just over the moon. But three weeks later, our oldest daughter, Jana, was shocked to hear that her husband of almost four years wanted a divorce. Three weeks after the engagement, a few days before their fourth wedding anniversary, a bomb went off. And brokenhearted is not good enough. Lisa Turkus in her book describes that sometimes things happen in our life where there are literally no pieces to pick up. Things are so devastating that it's like it's as if the pieces in the breaking become just dust. The season of dust. Yes, I was in a season of dust. So in February, in the span of about 36 hours, John and I witnessed one daughter sign her marriage license on her wedding day. And then we witnessed our other daughter at the courthouse receiving papers as she got served divorce papers. It was dust and joy and overwhelmment, and it was dust. Tragedy struck our family. And, you know, as we look in John 11, right off the bat, we see right away tragedy hits the family from Bethany. And my favorite verse in this story, and this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, is this one right here. John 11, verse 5. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So just in case you're wondering, God makes it very clear to us in his word that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And I like to break it down like this. Jesus loved Martha. Jesus loved Mary. Jesus loved Lazarus. Now, when it talks about loving Lazarus, it doesn't limit it to that verse 5. Did you notice in verse 3, when the sisters called Jesus... They said, they don't even use his name. They say, Lord, the one you love is sick. Jesus would know, oh, the one I love, that's Lazarus. Because Jesus loved Lazarus. And then in verse 36, the people, kind of the village of people, the partners, they say, see how he loved him when Jesus weeps. See how he loved him. There was something special about Lazarus. And in three days of their life, of this family, Lazarus does not say one word that's recorded. Have you noticed that? 
What you, you say, Barry, why are we not talking about Lazarus a lot? You really focused on Mary and Martha. Well, kind of, we have what they said. Uh-huh. I have my own theory about why that is. It's just a theory. Ask me about it later. I might share with you what my theory is. But whatever it was, whatever the reason, Jesus loved Lazarus in a special way. It was very obvious. But Jesus loved Martha. He loved Mary. He loved Lazarus. And if you don't remember anything else of what I say this weekend, I would please like you to remember this. Jesus loves, put your name in there. I'll, I'll do it. Jesus loves Barry. Put your name in there. I believe the most important perspective that we need to have, period, in our life. Jesus loves Barry. But especially in the midst of our problems, we need to have this perspective, the most important perspective for your problems, for your dust, for your daily life stuff, is Jesus loves me. I mean, it goes back to Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. I mean, the things you learn in kindergarten. Can we keep them with us the rest of our life? Jesus loves us apart from our Martha works and our Mary worship. Well, I'm a works person, Barry. I'm a worship person. Jesus loves you, period. Even if right now you're sitting there feeling spiritually dead like Lazarus. And some of us feel that way. Inside, we feel like dead. Jesus loves you. Whether you're working hard for Jesus, whether you're worshiping him hard, or you're in your season of dust and problems. And I know in a room like this, where a lot of people in here, someone is feeling dead. Jesus loves you right now. Right now, you don't have to get it together and do your serving in the kitchen or get your worship on. (laughs) Some of you didn't like that time of of quiet because you felt like you couldn't connect with God because you're too ugly. You're too dead. You're off spiritually. Guess what? Jesus loves you anyway. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves Barry. Jesus loves, and I wish I could just go through. Are you doing it? I want you to do it right now in your mind. I want you to fill the blank. Jesus loves. We can note that verse 5 and 6 are coupled together. Check that out in your Bible. 5 and 6 are coupled together. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, so... When he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Now, the way we think is Jesus loved them. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, Jesus hurried. Not Jesus waited. It's like, wait, what? What? That doesn't match. But, you know, have you ever thought of this idea? Have you ever, like, been exposed? 
to this concept or felt the divine delay? God's timing. It's a spiritual mystery when we have a divine delay. Jesus is not coming when we feel like we need him the most. He's not on time. Where is he? He's not answering my prayer. And I've been praying this for four days or longer, four years. We view it as a lack of love. When we're in the divine delay, we go, where is God? I know I'm not the only one that does this. John 11, 5 through 6 forces us to examine this season of waiting. Maybe God is showing you his love by waiting. You need to examine your view of God's love for you. We see today and what's right in front of us. God sees eternity. His timing is different from ours. It is a spiritual mystery. I don't get it, right? You know, with the Lord, the day is like a thousand years. About you, just go. What is that? I don't even know what that means. It's because we're time limited. We're boundaried by time, and God is eternal. But as Jesus arrives, he gets two different responses from the sisters. Two different responses from the sisters. Martha has grown from Luke 10, and she just like, she takes off. Jesus comes, she's just like running. I mean, she was far away from, she wasn't even in her village, right? She goes out to meet him. She pursued Jesus. She comes out to meet him. Mary stays home. In verse 21 and verse 22, Lord, she started off good again. Did you see that? She called Jesus Lord. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. You guys, this is the most amazing faith comment. Do you know what she's saying? Do you hear what she's saying? She's like, uh, he wouldn't have died. But even now, hey, right now, whatever you ask, God's going to give it to you. I know. So ask something awesome. Because (laughs) about my brother, please, you know, will you make the ask? Jesus responds to her faith with this promise. And it's this second promise, right? We talked about the promises, right? Last last lesson. And here's the promise he gives her. Your brother will rise again. Your brother will rise again. Now, why didn't Martha just point him to the tomb? Well, let's go. Let's go. Let's make it happen. Instead, she says, I know. He's going to rise again in the resurrection at the last day. So Martha took this promise Jesus just gave her, and he takes the, she takes the promise, she balls it up, and she throws it in the future. Yeah, I know, he's going to rise again at the last day. And Jesus goes, uh-uh, I'm not talking about the last day. Let's, let's do it. Jesus says to her, I love this, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. This is one of the seven I am statements of Jesus, and that's a whole amazing study for you to do in the Bible. The seven I am statements of Jesus, but he makes it personally. 
He's not teaching a crowd. He one-on-one. He gives this I am statement. A powerful one. The one that gives us our salvation. I am the resurrection and the life. He gives it to who? A woman. He doesn't just give it to one singular person. He gives it to a woman. To Martha. Oh, that's so amazing. You guys, that's really amazing. Okay? He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Guys, this is what Peter and Paul were preaching in Acts 2 and 13 about Psalm 16. Remember where we started about our theme scripture? Everything is all about Jesus, right? It's about the resurrection. So Martha is starting to get perspective. She's starting to start start see the heart popping out of the rose picture because this is what she says. Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God who has come into the world. Like Martha, I have begun to get perspective on my tragedy. And I want to share an update about what God is doing. And I just got the shivers all over my body because I'm not going to, I'm not, my mind is blown by God. And I'm not going to be able to share it in the best way. So I'm going to attempt to praise God by what He's doing in our dust. It's amazing. So my theme scripture for this year is. Psalm 147, verse 3, God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And I've been praying and asking God, God, I can't fix this, so you got to heal me. Will you heal me, God? Please heal me and bind up my wounds, my broken heart. And it has been almost five months since I shared in Eau Claire at the Look Up Conference about my season of dust. And just since then... God was already starting to heal me. But just since then, I want to share five ways God is healing me. Five times that I felt like I'm another layer healed. I'm another like level healed. God just put salve on my heart again. And I'm like, I'm, I'm healing. I'm healing. It's amazing. Okay, here's how he's, he's healed my broken heart. One is your conference. And I want to read... Um, when I got home about your conference. The conference was a huge boost in every way. Time with the Skinners, they're our best friends. Mm -hmm. The Peds and others. Seeing the Holy Spirit move. Learning new things. Feeling used by God, both a humbling and a great feeling. Sharing my testimony really helped me put into words my grief journey thus far. I came home and felt another level healed by God like I had turned another corner. God used you. If you prayed for people to be impacted, he's answering your prayer. Then in June, I went on a fabulous vacation. Over the top. Can a vacation be perfect? I don't know. I'm a perfectionist. This was perfect. Even dumb things like the weather. I mean, like the weather was like perfect. It was amazing. And how I felt by the end of my vacation, I felt another level healed. From that, I felt like God just went, you know, Barry, you've had a rough time here. I'm just going to dump goodness into you. Fun 
You want some fun? Here it comes. Blessing? Oh, girl, I got that for you in this vacation. I was blown away. Then I got back in August. Time goes on in August. The total opposite of our fabulous vacation. We actually took another trip, but the complete opposite. As one of our very best friends and dearest brothers in the Lord died suddenly from a heart attack at 51 in Thailand. And they asked us to come out and be with them, his widow, and and serve them. And so it was very sad. It was so very sad. And at the same time, it was so very beautiful seeing the eternal ripple of his life. And it was personally healing for me in a way I did not expect to receive. But as we were on our way back from the funeral, I I was just like, God, you've healed me another level from this funeral. It was amazing. Then September, it was the anniversary of our first year in Iowa. What a milestone. And I felt another level healed. We hit this milestone in looking at our life and what God's given us in Iowa and being in the Midwest. It's like, oh, God, you're so good. You know what you're doing. You're healing us. And then finally, my children. My children, Marin and Tyler, oh, they are loving their newlywed life. Okay. They are love. They got married in February. They're having a blast. I'm so inspired by their love and just their fresh love for one another. And then Jana, I want to give you an update on our oldest daughter that went through the divorce. She is our hero. She is my inspiration. She has already gone from tragedy to triumph in so many ways. I don't have time to tell you all of them. It's all from God, okay? It's all God. God has answered her, our, her, our prayers for her and her prayers that God would use her pain to help other people. She got to do a podcast about what she's learning in her grief. The singles conference, she spoke to 300 singles about what she's been through and how God has been her hero and her, her answered her prayers. And then God has very specifically answered her very specific prayers. And in a very faith-building, feels-like-a-miracle way, last week she started dating a great man of God, and she's so very happy. Now, certainly... More healing is to come, right? More healings on the way. There's more that I need to process through for sure, and more that God needs to heal in me and in our family and Jana for sure too. But God is working faster and bigger, and he's doing miracles. He's making new things out of the dust because that's what he likes to do with dust. God makes new things. Perspective on the problems. So, it's time to go to our second point. Are you ready? Are you with me? Are you awake? Everybody awake? Great scriptures in here, you guys. Let's talk about the partners. That's our second point. The partners. The partners. I love what Martha does next. She's starting to get a grip, a new perspective. She's starting to see the heart. And so, she goes back 
And she calls Mary aside and she says, the teacher is here and he is asking for you. There's a good line you can just memorize, you know, to help people. Hey, Jesus is here and he's asking for you. And what does Mary do? She just, she just runs and she gets up so quickly. People are like, what's wrong? Where'd she go? I don't know. Okay, but Martha knows where she's going. Martha helped her sister to see that she needed to get up and go to Jesus. And here, do you see how radically different Martha is from Luke 10? Do you see it? Martha's grown. She's not critical anymore toward her sister. She has grown. You guys, we can grow. We can grow. If you're competitive or critical toward your sisters, your sister in Christ, if you've got something that you get corrected on by Jesus, guess what? It can become a strength. It can grow through Jesus. This picture of the aspen. You know, aspen, I lived in Colorado, and there's lots of aspen, and they're golden right now this time of year. And aspen are really cool trees. They do not grow alone. They grow in community, and their roots are intertwined literally intertwined with each other underneath the ground so that really kind of like um, scientists view it as like a grove. It's like one big organism, but we see different trees. They view it as one big, basically one big living thing because they're so connected in their roots. We can't grow alone. We need sisters to help connect us to Jesus at times where we're in problems. Who are your partners in your life? Who are the aspen trees standing next to you? And who needs your help to connect with Jesus? Now, Mary's grieving, but at his request, she goes out to meet Jesus, and she falls at his feet, and she does what many of us do in grief. She blames Jesus. The only thing she said is, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, the funny thing is, is that's exactly what Martha started with, the same first sentence. But Martha went on to say, but I know know God gives you what you ask for, so can you ask? So Jesus' response, though, is so amazing. When when Jesus when she gets Jesus gets blamed, her, her his response is amazing. He does not defend himself. He does not correct or rebuke her. He just takes a look at the situation and how the death had wrecked the havoc on this family. And in verse 33, it says he was deeply moved and troubled. And in the original language, there is this anger and indignation within that phrase. It's sort of like a bull when they snort and they're angry and they're ready to charge you and they're like revving up. He was deeply moved and troubled. As if Jesus was saying, enough is enough. I'm about to right this wrong. Death is not going to win today. And then in verse 35, it says he he weeps. Jesus wept. Shortest scripture, right? Jesus wept. In the original language, there is deep sorrow and great emotion within this phrase. So who is the ultimate partner for you in your problems? It's Jesus. Because why? Because Jesus loves us. He is angry over the death and destruction in our lives. He's not angry at us. 
He's angry over the death and the destruction in our lives, and that's why he went to the cross. He has compassion, and he weeps with us. He shares our pain. It's amazing to me that Jesus knew this story's going to have a happy ending, and yet he wept. And in her podcast, this is a quote from Jana's podcast. Not only does God hear my cry when I pray to him, he knows my pain and weeps with me. This is uh, the podcast Jana did. It's called Surviving Plus Thriving, Clinging to God in Trials. It's at wovenintruth.buzzsprout.com. And uh, the, the podcast is Woven in Truth. The San Diego Church um, put, puts together this podcast. And I highly recommend my daughter's podcast. God is using her life. And Jesus, as she says, knows her pain and he weeps with her. Jesus wept. He knew the end of the story. And, you know, this story does not end with Jesus and his comforting tears. Jesus literally raises a dead man. Not an almost dead man. Not a comatose man. Lazarus was dead four days. That's what it says. Now, four days is important because the Jews held to a belief that a person wasn't officially dead until day four. They believed that the soul sort of hovered around the body for three days, but the day four was the day of death. It was the point of no return. It was miracle expiration day. Day four. Day four has or is or will occur at some point in each of our lives. The marriage is point, past the point of reconciliation. The de- disease is incurable. The checkbook is empty. The past is haunting the present. Day four is the perfect day for a miracle. Do you remember that Jesus said, I need to wait two days? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus loved them. And he waited. He was waiting for day four. Day four miracles call for obedience on our part. Jesus tells him, take away the stone. Now, that's really interesting. Why didn't Jesus come up to the tomb and just like he could have just snapped his fingers or blasted the stone away? Right? But instead, he tells the people, right, the people around him, take away the stone. The partners, take away the stone. Now, I love what Martha says, precious. Okay, Martha, bless her heart. This is a bless her heart. She says, but Lord, it's stinky. Kind of obvious, isn't it, right? We're in, we're in the Middle East and, and the heat. And I love the King James Version. It says, he stinketh. <laughs> that's, what, that's how it translates. Martha, it, 
he stinketh. But you see, here you go. Jesus says, go make disciples. And we say, but Lord, it's stinky. Jesus says, go serve the poor. But we say, Lord, it's stinky. Jesus says, go forgive your brother. But Lord, that's stinky. If we want to see day four resurrections, the obedience might stink. Stinky obedience. If we want to see the glory of God, we will be we need to be willing to do things that just don't make sense to us. They obeyed. This is verse 41. Check it out. They obeyed. Jesus prayed. Lazarus was raised. I mean, it even all rhymes. They obeyed. Jesus prayed. Lazarus was raised. Verse 44, Jesus says, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Once again, he calls the partners to a messy job. He's alive, but he's still messy. Take off the grave clothes. Jesus could have like raised him from the dead fully clothed. He could do anything. But he wanted the partners to be involved with the miracle. He wanted the partners to be involved with the miracle. You know, he wanted them to have a front row seat to what he was doing. Here's an action item for you. Start or renew a partnership today. Start or renew a partnership today. What do I mean by that? You know, some of us need to just be like a kid on a playground and go to someone in here and say, hey, will you be my friend? You know, little kids do that. That's how they they make friends. You know, will you be my friend? Will you be my partner? Barry talked about the aspen grove. I feel like I'm a lone tree. Will you be my partner? Can you be my partner? How about renew? Some of us, we have those people we think, but we kind of feel like we drifted a little bit. We got kind of superficial. (coughs) Renew it. Say, hey, you know how Barry was talking about the partners really help you in your problems? I need someone like that. Hey, you know, you got problems, and I can help you with that, right? It might be like that. I love that we've been given cards to write. Here, look, you are so set up. You see this? Start a renew, a priceless partnership today. I want, here's your action item. Write a card. Thank your, your, your partner that's helped you over the last year. Or say, hey, Barry said I should ask, like a little girl on the playground. I want to ask you. Do that in the card if you're, not, if you're afraid to say it. I don't know what your day four is. But next to a tomb in Bethany on day four, two women had their hearts blessed by Jesus. And that same unfailing love is available to us. Perspective in his presence. You know, our lives, our lives can have an aha moment. There it is. Even problems in our lives. Even the problems in our lives can draw us closer to Jesus. And certainly the partners in our lives 
Help us to come to Jesus and transform. I really pray that we can be like Martha and Mary, that we can have that aha moment where we see God's love in the midst of our problems, that we see there is resurrection in life only through Jesus. Amen? Amen.